from Stephen King, the modern master of terror, creator of Pet Cemetery and Misery, comes an all-new excursion to the place where horror comes alive. This used to be a nice little town, but for Jim Norman, it holds a terrifying secret. Now, 27 years later, he's come back with his family, but they won't be alone. All he wants is a chance for a new beginning. I don't want to dream! The things that haunt him are about to begin all over again. Hello, Mrs. Norman. Can Jimmy come out and play? Starting again, isn't it? Jimmy, what's wrong? If someone seems like they're in trouble, they probably are. Why are they after you? They killed Billy, they killed Kate, and now they're me. They're here to finish up some old business, and we're part of the plan. Something's left unsettled. Sometimes they come back. What is up? 90s Stephen King adaptation continues here on the Sight and Sound podcast presented by Heart Guide Media. Eric, what up? What's going down? So we did Graveyard Shift. Great, great feedback on Graveyard Shift. Everyone, the fucking, the one quarter people that listen to it, just a quarter of a person, not even a full person. No, we got... We we did uh, that one actually got more plays and we don't get a lot of plays but when we do get some plays I I'm in I'm always uh, impressed but uh, we did our we started our film stars of the week where we'll take a cut if we cover a movie we'll we'll post a couple actors that we think stood out in it that were the film stars of the week uh, and we posted Brad Dourif and Stephen Mach and old Mach commented. Now it's probably his uh, granddaughter running his Insta, but regardless, a uh, um, uh, a mage yeah. ancestry commented. Easter, either way, yeah, it's really really cool. It's good to and like it's like kind of what we talked about via text yesterday. It's cool to shout some of these people out who probably maybe don't get tagged as much and stuff. So if they see something like that and two buffoons like us just talking about them and singing their praises, must make them feel I hope a little bit good. So yeah, yeah, for real. Um, but now we're back and we're covering 1991's TV movie directed by Tommy McLaughlin. Sometimes they come back. 
Now, this is a, an interesting flick because it was a TV movie. Now, I, I think it it has TV movie qualities sometimes, but I think overall this was uh, a home run, especially in the TV movie world. A Stephen King TV movie to boot. I mean, this is a was a a short story in his uh, Night Shift collection, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yeah, we get an adaptation here with it, and we get some recognizable faces. But what, Eric? When was the first time you saw? Sometimes they come back. Uh, I saw this the first time I saw it, I watched it with my brother, probably in my lit, mid teens, mid to late teens. Uh, I want to see we watched a DVD copy if I'm maybe VHS. I can't remember VHS or DVD copy of this uh, in uh, one of our rooms. Yeah, I mean, obviously, every time we talk about Stephen King, I tell the same exact goddamn story. So I'm not going to really tell it. But Stephen King was big in our household and. You know, I saw a whole bunch of his work before uh, or his adaptations and stuff before this. This was, um, you know, definitely later than than a lot of the others. But, yeah, that was the first time I saw, I would say, mid-teens, uh, just at home with my bro. Now, uh, I saw it early. Like, I, I feel like uh, I don't want to. I feel like I, I beat a dead horse. And maybe to, to some people that listen, it sounds like a. It sounds like uh, I'm trying to be cool guy. Be like, oh, I saw this at such a young age. I, but I really did. I'm telling you, I if I wasn't outside, like wandering around in the swamp, I was watching fucking movies and I'm not underselling it when I say I couldn't have the Jordans. I got the Dennis Rodman Converse. <laughs> and even those, that was like I didn't hear the end of about getting those. You lived a very similar childhood to Victor Crowley, pretty much just wandering the swamps, you know, <laughs> wandering just... the swamps, but had satellite <laughs> TV. No. Um, yeah, but still can watch some cool shit. No, uh, but like I said, my parents, when I tell you I grew up with HBO Cinemax and Showtime, it opens you up. It's beyond re- like, honestly, like I feel like I, I do. I literally have a VHS tape fucking tattooed on me because I have such fond memories of renting VHS tapes. But honestly, more so to thank than that is 100% HBO Cinemax. And that's what's funny. It was a TV movie. I'm not sure what TV it appeared, what channel it appeared on. That's a good question. Let's, we should look that up, actually, because uh, but it had I to wanted been... to talk about how the TV movie, the difference in TV movies these days. Yeah, um, but I saw it at a young age because we had, like I said, at a very young age, had the full pack. Whatever the full package was, it I had it. Everything but the Spice Channel. And you found a way, though. Oh yeah, blurred screens and and pixelated boobs. You found a way. Um, but yeah, I saw looks, this v- very young. So I mean, it was just. So it looks like it was a CBS movie, and it was released May seventh of ninety one, and it says original network CBS. So yeah. So I honestly, I can't, there were so many movies that like too, when they were on, they were recorded just on the, the VCR, like off the VCR. So I had, I, I, I can't remember if I had this one recorded, but regardless saw this one, um, at a young age and, and liked it. Um, and then kind of didn't see it for a while. 
And then, you know, probably like early 2000s started rewatching, like found it, rewatched it again and again and again. Because it was like put on fucking like random like epics or not epics. What was that one? Encore. Encore, yes. It would have like encore and, and like they would they would throw random stuff on there and um maybe stars too, because I think stars is part of that. But regardless, um, and this was definitely also this was definitely played in the sci-fi channel a lot as well. It was on the sci-fi channel for sure. Um but fell in love with this movie, love the fucking cast. Now, we got a hell of a cast here. Honestly, low-key, an amazing cast. We got yeah. we got the one, the only, Robbie, R- Robbie Russ, Robert Russler, playing fucking uh, Richard Lawson. Lawson. Am- amazing uh, hood 50s gang leader, for sure. Yeah, he, uh, you know what? He's kind of a, uh, he's like a, maybe not as well known, but like a, he's got that Billy Zapka vibe where he's, uh, he plays a great uh, villain, a great uh, dickhead. bully. Dickhead, in, <laughs> dickhead in Weird Science. Yes. Uh, I guess lovable dickhead in Elm Street, too. <laughs> Elm Street, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then this, he, like, he with the different... thrashing, too. Uh, you know what? I know he's in that, but I, I can't really. I can't really remember that movie too much about what his character was like, to be honest with you. Isn't that funny that he played the he played the lead heavy in Weird Science and Robert Downey Jr. was his was his lackey? Yeah, yeah, was his his little cohort cohort there. Yeah. I know um, it is funny how things work out because you know, back then, like you never know with these guys, like sometimes they could think that Maybe at one point they thought Russell was going to be the man who was going to be the the big star. And, right, right. And then uh, obviously the other one was Iron Man. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got playing Jim Norman, Tim Matheson, a fucking Animal House fame, a fucking Black Sheep fame. Yeah, I mean, still acting to this day too. I mean, he's uh, he's been in a million. He's been in everything. Uh, isn't he the the BT will love this one? Isn't he the villain in one of the Brady Bunch movies? Oh like yeah, the- is he? Is he? <laughs> I I just remember that line. I think it was the sequel where he plays like Carol's fake ex husband. <laughs> yeah, something like that, right? And isn't fucking Gary Cole like Avi and tour? Doesn't that mean buyer beware? Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, BT, oh, so BT was supposed to send us a synopsis. And I told him to. He's like, "Sounds great." Never heard a fucking word from him. After well, I tell, I texted him on Sunday. We were talking about it. Never heard a fucking word. I can't wait for him to be like, "You never reminded me." <laughs> oh my god, Tim Matheson was a fucking voice in the Batman animated series. That's awesome. Yeah, BT fucking really? loves Tim Matheson. Man. Well, yeah, he's a huge Tim Matheson guy. He probably doesn't realize it. Huge Matheson mark. I mean, of course, uh, Animal House, like his, 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 you know, Eric Stratton in Animal House, his, uh, it's his fucking, it's his, uh, what do you call it? It's his fucking, his, What's sh- that? his shining, you know, his, his one thing that he's forever identified with is definitely from Animal House, at least for me. 
I would say, no, I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Animal House, a lot of people revere that movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's really kind of what I think of him, man. From. But playing the other hoods, we got Nicholas Sadler, who I've seen in a bunch of different stuff, but like he looks different. So like I'll yeah. look at him sometimes. I'll see him in like fucking like CS like like SVU or something. I'll be like, holy it's, shit. Him and fucking uh Sean Whalen, the cops and fucking the idle cops hands. And idle <laughs> and so put the knitting needle down. <laughs> oh uh, god. Amazing. Um but and then uh, we got William Sanderson, no relation to the sisters, uh, playing Mueller, older Mueller. Um, we got fucking Bentley, mother effing Mitchum playing North. Also, these great names are great. Lawson, oh, yeah. Nor- North is 100% a 50s greaser like hood. Oh, yeah. North, North is a sick name, actually. Actually, you know what? I think Kanye West named his daughter or something North. So I'm, I'm wasn't. Oh yeah, Northwest. That's right. I'm out of it. I'm out on that one. Uh we got uh Matt Nolan playing Rocker High Schooler Billy Stearns. We got uh Tasia Valenza playing Kate. We got fucking Chad nyer grays playing chip conway chip conway also perfect jock name playing got playing playing a jock but 100 a, a fucking uh a, a alpha beta zeta fucking name for sure oh yeah also fucking uh, you know 37 years old playing an 18 well, yes has been through two divorces and fucking operates forklift at home depot fucking he for has nine uh, straight years chip conway he, he has one of my favorite film uh, lines in the movie too, which we'll get to. It's really not. It's just uh, for some reason it popped me when I rewatched it, but we'll get to that. We got uh, William fucking. I don't even. How you, I don't even know how you pronounce this name. We're good. We're on the second key grip by now, anyway. So cool. <laughs> well, anyway, he plays the fucking principal. We also <laughs> he's, have. Uh, he's a dick. So. The therapist is Tommy McLaughlin's. Uh, uh, Honey, his uh, his gal, uh, Nancy McLaughlin, uh, who also played the girl that fucking Jason killed in part six when the American Express floated in the mud puddle. Well, there you go. Um, and uh, yeah, we got Brooke Adams playing Sally, Jim's uh, wife. We got fucking we got royalty, we got podcast royalty, and Robert High Gorman, aka Robert Gorman, who plays Scotty Norman, Jim's son. Who's also this predates Leprechaun, Shining Moment, and Don't Tell Mommy Babysitters out of the same year, ninety one. He's in um, Rookie of the Year too, right? Did we mention that? He one hundred percent is in. He's in Rookie of the Year. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of everything that I'd seen that kid in. He was one of those actors of the early nineties. You saw him in a few things. And uh, Chris Dementrol, uh, Dementrol, what a fucking name. Chris Dementral playing Wayne Norman, the older dead brother. Spoiler. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we can uh, we can dive into this film. It opens up very TV credit like like nothing flashy. And that's something I always like about Stephen King adaptations. I usually like the opening credits, but this is kind of a bland like title card. Very TV movie like um 
but that is in no indication of what the film's going to be because the film ends up superseding that title credit um far and away in my eyes but we see jim norman starts narrating saying he's coming back to his old town they never specify the town though do they I don't believe so. Well, they might. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they if they mention the town name. It um, looked like I don't know. It looked it definitely. Well, it's somewhere where it gets cold, so it's got to be somewhere in the Midwest. I don't know. I know it was shot in the Midwest. So yeah, it was shot in Missouri, actually, like randomly. Yeah. Um, well, you figure any any uh, King adaptation is going to be in the Northeast somewhere, but this right. one Midwest. But, uh, you know, he pretty much is explained talking about his wife and his son. They're moving. They're in the van. We get these aerial shot um, kind of just talking about going back where his brother died. He hasn't been back to the town since his brother died. Um, and, yeah, it's it's fall atmosphere. You see the tr- the leaves are all turning and stuff. And apparently it, it, it snowed the first night they filmed. Oh, wow. So some of the I think some of the scenes you could see some residual snow and stuff, but <clears throat> he's a teacher. They never even specify what teacher he is, too. This is a, I love when films fly by like so fast they get they they get to the point so fast that all the little details are like left. Is he an English teacher? Is he a history teacher? Uh, I'm saying English or history. Yeah, one of those two. I'm thinking but they never specify. That's what I love. Just right already. We're flying through. <laughs> yeah. We get introduced to some of the classmates. Billy, the rocker, has got like this extension mullet, the fucking the green military coat, which was standard issue for any any oh, like yeah. uh, half assed rocker in high school. Needed it. Uh little like uh, cartilage, slight cartilage piercing. It wasn't the full lobe piercing. We got Kate, who's an airhead per chip. <laughs> um, and then the chipster, depending how close you get. Chip Conway. <laughs> now he doesn't look like a quarterback, though. He's definitely like a lineman. hundred percent lineman, offense or defense, for sure. Maybe both. And I don't know why he's just like he actually that actor, uh, Chad, whatever the fuck. Uh, his right. he actually has like some charisma in this opening his opening scene where he was just like where he's pretty much just telling. Jim Norman, who's introducing himself, and there was already rumors that, like, oh, Jim got, you know, this guy got kicked out of his last school for getting into it with a kid, or there's all these speculation. And I like that the the charisma that the Chip Conway character already has, where he's just like, pass us anyway, and then gives him the little eyebrow frill, which I thought was, I don't know why that popped me. Yeah, it was good. It was like kind of setting the. I don't know. Like it was, it was just hilarious how like they portray these uh, students to talk to teachers. I don't know. Like, I mean, I was an asshole and I know you were in high school too, but like, I don't know. They just make it sound like uh, when they introduce these characters, especially chips character, he just pretty much just bitching down his teacher day one, basically just like, I passed me. I'm a fucking football player. You you little piece of shit. So (laughs) it's just funny. There may have been only one teacher I ever treated like fucking chip treated Jim, but it's just the dialogue to these films are sometimes like, there's just so funny. It's like, they're trying to build these like uh, relationships and they're like, yeah, these, these kids pretty much just say whatever the fuck they want to the teacher. Which I mean, in some schools they do. Yeah, I guess so. Guess you're right. In some countries they only eat vomit. (laughs) 
um and then we see chip talk chip and his boys talking with the principal obviously the principal goes to the games he wants to win uh so he tells jim he wants to chat with him in his office we go back to jim going to his old house kind of reminiscent of his brother wayne who has passed away and then uh you know he starts you know having the the flashbacks of the uh and well you know has the dream that um you know he's in the tunnel the train tunnel with the hoods which are lawson north and Vinny and mueller uh-huh. and, and they replay the day wayne was killed you know he's sitting there he's crying wayne consoles him they uh they go for a walk and they're walking through the tunnel and the uh 50s greaser hoods uh which i wish they had a gang name yeah i would have set the characters up a little bit more but just a group of delinquents basically yeah a bunch of juvenile delinquents uh drapes as they were um that uh you know pretty much go and, and cut them off in the tunnel and just give them shit and end up killing wayne because they wanted something more than 12 cents. Terrible. Yeah. 100% actually, terrible. actually, though, it was an accident. It technically, they didn't intentionally kill him. It That's was- what's interesting about, about the characters. I thought too was, was it was an accidental, uh, you know, they killed him on an accident and you see that by wrestlers like face at first. Um, and then they just like kind of morph into, he deserved it, you know. Yeah, and uh, I also just want to say about Stephen King's writing, and I know this is, you know, adapted, but he must have either got bullied or something because there's so many of his stories that just center around people getting bullied by, you know, a group of, like, greasers or just, like, some sort of bully in general, right? I mean, a lot of his stories center around uh, bullying, if you think about it. Or no. have some sort of bullying element. Yeah, I mean, it, for a kid, though, that's like the ultimate like fear is like dealing with a dickhead that you don't want to deal with or a group of dickheads that you don't want to deal with. When you're a kid, it's like the ultimate fucking like worry. I mean, yeah, if sure. you're I mean, if you're lucky, don't get me wrong. Like there's some kids that have to worry about fucking even crazier shit. But like for us, like growing up in like suburban you know slash rural area like there's usually was only there wasn't every groups it was always usually like one dickhead that you were always going to get into it with (laughs) for some reason or another yeah i mean it's you know where we grew up especially which i think is reminiscent of some of these towns and these stories uh yeah i mean you're i think anybody would relate to some sort of bullying um and then most of the people who were bullies is because they were being bullied by somebody else a parent or somebody so and so yeah that's what's so interesting about it is it is indeed um an accident and that may lead into why the hoods come back like because they feel like they were unjustly killed in this and like i mean in their eyes at least that's what i'm thinking and it's uh the key, which is the great, I mean, another like throwback, the little rabbits for so the colored rabbit's foot keychain is, yeah. is, uh, you know, on the tracks and doesn't, uh, Jim grab it. Right. And then runs away and then they get hit Mueller escapes and those three meet their fiery end. 
Yeah, they're really concerned about getting him and making sure he doesn't talk because they just obviously killed his brother, like we said. And yep. And then once they hear the train uh, horn, they realize shit, we gotta get out of here. And uh, they just they're not fast enough. But so, yeah, just uh, so we relive that all in like a dream flashback that Jim has, and then uh, you know Jim's you know next day in class, uh, Chip then threatens uh jim in the parking lot when he says you know you told the coach like uh you know i wasn't doing my sh- homework or whatever and he jim pretty much tells him like hey i was a football player too you got to do the work and chips pissed and fucking hits him with the fucking the ultimate you fucking you poke his fucking his his driver's side window and you say you're dead <laughs> you're yeah, dead a- pal that's what I'm talking about. Imagine like your teacher pisses you off so much you're waiting for them in the parking lot and then you slam <laughs> on their window. You're like, you're fucking dead, man. <laughs> like, it's just, it's hilarious. It's amazing. And uh, Billy shows up looking like a fucking, uh, looking like a fucking phase drugstore fucking Rick Crosby. <laughs> uh, and he's got his guitar on his back and he's pretty much like Billy, Billy going straight fucking like emotional fucking. Talon and Jimmy was listening to Dust in the Wind, wondering if history repeats itself. Uh going going really uh going really dark on Jim in the parking lot. Jim just got threatened <laughs> by fucking Chip, and now Billy's like, I'm fucking do you think fucking do you think I'm gonna end up like my old man pretty much? Like just a, a fuck working at Napa? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a real roller coaster. We got one student uh, threatening his life and another one coming confiding in him to to help him. So but uh, Billy's listening to fucking dust in the wind, hoping he's not so dust in someone's fucking eye. <laughs> and then the uh, the hoods then chase Billy down. The principal sees Jim run after uh, Billy because Billy drops his wallet. So the last thing the principal sees is Jim chasing after Billy. And then we get the the hoods in the car. Lawson, Vinny, North chasing down. Mind you, we haven't prim properly introduced to Lawson, Vinny or North yet. Right. So Billy, you know, you see people fucking fly fishing. Uh, also, it's fucking like the middle of fuck. What are they what are you fishing for in November? What's was that? Pike season? Yeah. Yeah, you fishing for I guess there. I don't know. In the stream, it seems a little weird. I don't know what you I guess you could be fishing for a trout, but uh no. Um but yeah, so you see the car chasing Billy. Jim sees the car and starts beeping. No one else sees the car. Just Jim and Billy apparently see the car, uh, which may be a plot hole. Um, why does Billy see it? But then, uh, like, the fly fishermen don't. But Billy gets ran off the road and killed and crashes into some rocks, and Jim rolls up there, and, you know, they try rolling it a suicide randomly. Um, And, yeah, so Billy dead free seat in the class jim obviously upset about it fucking talks to the principal about it goes in there to see the old leather jacket facing with his back to jim and introduces himself just transferred from up in milford richard lawson i also i don't know why i love that like i love all that like just transferred from milford like yeah what gets me about this is like he's in his class he's teaching and 
uh, he sees a, you know, we're in the nineties here. He sees a greaser kid. He turns around and it's one of the people who killed his brother. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, I understand at first he's very shocked, but then like, it just kind of, he just like starts talking back to this kid. And it's like, I feel like the progression of like, I don't know, like it, it's almost like just dusted over. Like this fuck, this is like a, I don't even know what you would consider it. I mean, what, uh, this is a, a good question. Is this, is, this a, is this a ghost movie? Is this a zombie? You know what I mean? Like, what are these? It's definitely a ghost movie, but at the same time, why can everyone see it? Yeah, Dude. everyone can see the, you know, sometimes they come back, they're back. Everyone can see these guys. So, and then, but the thing is, is does it, so like they're demon, they're demons, I guess. I'd say demons, ghost demons. Yeah, because we'll get to it, but they, yeah, they do, uh, you know, sh- shift into like, uh, you know, the makeup. Uh, they do some crazy shit with their faces, and you know, monster demon. Yeah, I guess demon is a good word for it. Um, but just transferred from up in Milford. Uh so Jim, like, it's like he knows, but he's trying to play it cool. And I think in his mind, the way I justify it is. He's struggling to say, like, okay, this guy just looks like it. It was some odd 30 some odd years ago. I just think this guy looks like one of those guys. Like, and then, like, you know, as the tension builds, where he's just like, oh, you're why are you staring at me? You know, why are you staring at me, Mr. Norman? Um, and then Chip throws a fucking orange because he's still pissed. Um, and I don't know why. When Chip throws the orange at the map and it rolls up, and then he turns or when Jim turns around. And then when Robert Russler fucking like does that laugh, I don't know why that like tension build and like is just so fun. That's just such a like there's little things in this like that that like I think like they just nailed like a feel for the movie. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. The tension that they build and just like I also love how um he just flips out on his class so much. Like he throws that orange and then he just starts fucking flipping out. Yeah, breaks the fucking thing and um and I think it all kind of alludes back to almost like maybe not PTSD, but like what happened to him as a kid and now he's being haunted by all he's probably been haunted by these demons forever and he just oh, yeah, he got lashed. some PTSD for sure, yeah. He just lashes out. Your brother got murdered in front of you and then you watch the entire <laughs> car of the fucking bullies get fucking evaporated into fucking flames like so yeah you got some you got some unresolved shit um yeah 100 percent. but kate pretty much like says oh don't worry about these fucking assholes uh so then i think right there lawson's like oh well we're taking this we're taking this airhead bitch out next like so you know jim then you know he has visions that something's happening to kate or they at least allude to that uh, he sends out a search party when he sees Kate isn't in class the next day and they end up finding her in a barn hung and they 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 pretty much say like, yeah, you know, it's suicide, you know, leads to another suicide. It is what it is. She was distraught probably over the suicide of Billy um, and the principal who's Tommy McLaughlin, the director's uh, wife. Uh, and she's pretty much just talking to Jim after they have this meeting and Jim pretty much says like, she wasn't, you know, suicide, it was murder. And then he's like, you know, she, she can see that this guy's like, you know, a few, uh, a few McDonald's apple pies short of a fucking good morning. And, and, uh, you know, it's just like, yeah, you know, I can counsel you too in a private session, which sounds sexual. Um, it does. Yes. 
And then, uh, you know, he's like, oh, it might sound bizarre. Like, so she knows she can see something's bothering him badly. But he goes, you know, back to class, just transferred, transferred from Milford. We get Vinny. The next one. Next one up. The next one up. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just the tension building. Like, it's such a simple story. And they yeah, get right sure. to the point. They get right to the point so fast that I think you don't have time to think about like the plot if there is plot holes or anything like that. I think they just move at such a good pace, and it's not like it's a a short film. It's not like an hour and twenty minute film. Like it's an hour and thirty seven minutes. Like it's a it's over ninety minutes. Like, but they they move at a great pace in this. I don't ever feel watching it for twenty plus years now. I never feel bored. I never feel like stagnant. It always moves so fluidly. It's a fun watch. Yeah, no, for sure. The story flows really good. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess if you if you really, uh, you know, picked it apart, you'd find some holes maybe. But I just think the way they deliver, um, like with the flashback scenes and stuff like that, um, it all flows really well, yeah. So then we... Um... Yeah, we uh, Chip then comes to Jim's house. Jim's freaked out thinking it's Lawson or Vinny or someone. And then uh, he sees it's Chip and Chip pretty much says, hey, I went out drinking with those guys. And they were saying, you know, they have a score to settle with you. They know you from years back. And like Chip's just like uh, really tweaked out. So tweaked out, he had to come to Jim's house and say, like, listen, I'm fucking I'm getting out of town. I'm leaving. Like, just so you know, I don't have anything to do with that ever happens to you. And this is where he drops like that. And I don't know why it popped me so hard, but he's just like, I like, I can't do this. Like, I'm just a jock. Like, <laughs> it's just like, it is great. I don't know why that was that uh, line just killed me. It's just like, he's, yeah, I just can't. This shit's just way too fucked up for me. I also wish they would have kind of cut to show a little slice of that scene of like Chip with the, uh, oh, that, I, I with thought the crew. Yeah, I want him like shooting pool at fucking <laughs> Coleman's Corner Tap, fucking talking about fucking Jim. I thought that was a missed opportunity. That would have been cool to uh, to show something like that for sure. Oh yeah, um, especially because you could have done a cool, whole cool like bar pool hall fifty throwback scene too. Would have been fun. Yeah, without a doubt. Um. But yeah, the Jim pretty much, you know, tells Chip as he's walking away, like, we can't run from them. Uh, and then the fucking car hits Chip and grabs Chip, gets Chip on the hood, and they're driving through the whole fucking town for the clock tower and everything. Um, and then they get Chip in the car and he meets North. And then we get arguably the best scene in the movie. Oh yeah, when they're driving around in the car and they kind of do, uh, they tell him to do the face, and yeah. uh, you know he turns around, comes back, and he's got this crazy like demon fucking, burnt, I don't know, like the, like a burnt like a burnt demon yeah like face. a burnt demon face. I thought the that was like another little note I made about it was I thought that that scene was really cool and I thought uh, obviously there's not a tremendous amount of special effects uh, that are used throughout the film, but that. Uh, everything looked really awesome yeah yeah and then you get lawson in his makeup which looks fucking awesome north i don't know what they were doing with north because they're like we're not gonna go crazy special effects on you we're just gonna get like a fucking 
like a decaying like fucking skull and just have you do Bentley Mitchum's fucking laugh that he does throughout the movie when he's in any scene is amazing. So good. For sure. That I think that the the do the actors that they pick to uh to play each one of those roles and Perfect. they don't even have a tremendous amount of lines, but they definitely nailed those uh the casting for those. Like they they all had like a feel of like teenagers from that time period. Like they all like they they nailed it. They really did. Well, yeah. not now. Uh Bentley Mitchum's got a little bit of uh a little bit of uh history from the 50s, 60s time period. He played Winnie Cooper's brother in Wonder Years. There you go. There you go. Did you know that? I did not actually. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, my friend. Um but I that I also love this scene, another like very fifties feeling scene. And this has had to be from Tom McLaughlin, uh, just uh, maybe growing up in the time period and being able to kind of like speak to the time. But like when Jim walks in, obviously, well, skip, skip, uh, Chip gets dismembered and thrown out of the car and then they peel out on the bridge. Like that was another awesome scene. Yeah. You know what? There was a lot of humor in that scene. I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, obviously what's sure. happening is, is super insane. Like they're literally cutting this dude up with like a fucking switchblade or whatever. But um, they're just single-handedly just throwing pieces <laughs> of him out the window just one by one. Yeah. Um, and the, I thought that was one thing. Another thing, I thought there was uh, those guys, the comedy that they, they, oh, you know, big time. they oozed count, like the comedic elements of the, of the, of their characters. And like that scene, especially they definitely um, had a good time filming this without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. You could tell. Uh, but the scene I, I was uh, getting ready to talk about was the bathroom scene where Jim then comes into school the next day. He gets told by the and Jim the entire t- the entire night after Skip got hit and drug on the car. He was with the investigator all night. So they knew that he did not uh, personally do anything because the investigator is thinking Jim has something to do with the deaths of these teens. So he spent. Yeah, I think I don't think we mentioned either. Like he he was having like visions, right? Like uh, right. of 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 how or where that the the kids were, uh, like the hanging. He knew that girl was in a barn, and then he asked the cops, "So do you know about a? Is there a barn nearby?" And there was. So, kind of made him look like a red herring, you know, like like he was the one behind it all. Yeah, absolutely, and. uh yeah, the bathroom scene where Jim, you know, the and the investigator then says, eh, another one of your students went missing. Uh, let me know if you think of anything or whatever. Um, and he walks in the bathroom in the school and then sees Lawson, Vinny, and now North in there, just transferred up from Milford and like just like smoking in the boys' room, 50s type <laughs> fucking delinquent shit. Uh, great scene. Just great scene. And then those guys played hilariously, like trying to act innocent in front of the principal when they walk out there, and and Jim grabs like Lawson and slams him against the thing. I don't know why <laughs> it popped me when they were just trying to like act innocent. Yeah, no, that was a funny uh, showing the range on uh, with their characters because before you only saw them being like crazy ass uh, dickheads, but uh, then they just flipped their switch just to make them look bad. Oh yeah, and then. Uh, we uh scotty uh jim's son's walking home from school he gets chased by the car 
cops show up or investigating it. Jim's pissed. Jim then goes and confronts Mueller, finds Mueller where Mueller lives. The, the, the fourth hood who got away from the car accident all them years before and ran out of the tunnel before the car got smashed and pretty much confronts Mueller and Mueller pretty much expresses his remorse um, and how much, you know, he wants to make things right. And while this is happening, the hoods come to the house to Jim's house and torment um, and torment and break in Jim's house and torment Sally and uh, Scotty. I think the interesting part of this is like pivotal scenes because up until that point, um, like his wife only heard stories that he was telling. So I think she didn't really like kind of. Uh, you know, she didn't know because my fucking husband's crazy as shit. Like, what's going on? And then, like, when that, their son gets traced by them in the car, that's like kind of the first realize, like, oh shit, like maybe it's real. And then this kind of, this is like kind of a where it comes full circle. You know what I mean? Where it's finally bled into other people into his in his life. You know what I mean? No, one hundred percent. And it's, you know, it's. Now that the tension has reached that pivotal point where now they're these hoods are in Jim's house, they're physically tormenting his family now while he's trying to get Mueller to kind of atone for, you know, his part in the whole death of Wayne and and everything. And the I don't know why the um, the shit with Lawson like kills me, too, where they're just like they're just being wild. They're breaking in through windows and Lawson hits the big bopper 50s fucking hello baby like uh just fucking you could just tell though there's no way these guys did not have a fucking blast filming this yeah that's what I mean because like I said you're taking something in in your it's it's shot in you know supposed to be in the 90 early 90s and your their characters and you know in their mindsets are yes however many years before 30 years old or whatever or 30 years playing uh, teenagers from 30 years prior so it must have been really cool to kind of, uh, yeah, to get into that that mind frame or whatever to shoot those scenes. And like I said, the comedic uh, aspect of it, you know, really no other parts of the film, there's comedy at all. You know what I mean? The only no. time you get any no. sort of comedy is when you get these guys on, on the screen. So, yeah, which is interesting to do that with your protagonist, too, or your antagonist, rather. Your 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 villains doing all the comedy with the villains too is yeah, which is it's really cool. I mean, like I said, and I think that kind of plays into how how great the, the characters are in this, in the film. And uh, then we get the church scene. Well, they're going to like Jim's still out bombing around with Mueller, and and then he, he sends them to the to to the church, right? So then the church scene is equally as cool. Because then, you know, North tries walking into the church and like his foot catches fire, but they're amused by it. They think it's fucking funny. And they're <laughs> yeah, like, it's like uh... Rustler like smacking like North on the back and grabbing him and shaking him and laughing like as his foot's on fire is amazing. Yeah, it's like uh, they're razzing their friends. And that's what I yeah. mean. Like it just never ends. It's it real honestly, it really is like it's hard to dislike those guys. It, no, and that's I. I would agree. I would agree. It's like uh, it's so fun to watch these guys. Well, like I said, when you're introduced to them, they they accidentally kill this kid, and you you really 
you know, you don't really know, like, if if uh, if it was real life with the story. Would it, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, at first, they, they showed remorse. Like, what the fuck did we just do? And then they didn't want him to get away. They didn't want anybody to rat on him. And they kind of just go through this whirlwind. Um, and then when they come back, they're just so hilarious. Like, yeah, like, in your head, you're like, I'm supposed to be rooting against these guys, but... It's you know they're like great antiheroes for sure, and they're they're howling outside the church like Robert Russell's doing like some parkour fucking backflip shit <laughs> off the fucking side of the thing, and they're fucking screaming and hooting and hollering like they're going to a fucking rumble. Um, and something I did think was cool was Jim is at Wayne's grave and is trying to like, you know, pretty much like contact Wayne, and like Wayne's spirit is like trying to get through. And you see the hoods like then like feel like, you know, and, and, uh, Rustler's character of Lawson says, you know, I thought so, it felt like someone was trying to come through. Right. Which so, is cool. Yeah. Very cool. I, I kind of, for some reason I felt like, and, I, and it, it should, doesn't make any sense because the, uh, you know, the villains of the film come back, but I kind of thought the brother coming back, I almost wish, I don't know. I felt like it was a little cheese in that a little bit, kind of. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, that was the TV movie aspect of it. Exactly. Exactly. It kind of had a, that was where it definitely you felt the most like TV movie. But, um, hey, that's a story, though, too, you know? Well, that's what I mean. It, it makes sense because, you know, sometimes they come back and it's not just the evil that comes back, you know, the good comes back, too. So it makes sense. So then they're, you know, they then kidnap Mueller um, and blow Jim's van up and kidnap Mueller and bring him back and said, yo, you know, call him a yellow belly and stuff. And they're like, oh, no, you're coming back with us. Um, And then they go back to the tunnel and then they pretty much, you know, cathartically uh, relive the whole thing, you know, asking Jim to how much you got, 12 cents, the whole thing. But Scotty kind of playing you know, almost like Jim, what Jim was in this scene. And, and you get a whole run through with, you know, and Mueller gets killed and Mueller dying is able to, someone has to die to bring someone back. So right. Mueller dies, Wayne's able to come over. And then, you know, Wayne pretty much like rectifies it's, it's the, you know, a vengeance and, undoing of uh the wrongs in a sense to give jim closure and the whole thing happens all over again where they get fucking obliterated and this time we get a awesome fiery like true like crazy car explosion bodies melting screaming north laughing <laughs> Like it's it's pretty wild, and it's the fact that this is a TV movie is really impressive. Well, that was my point too. Is like there's not like a tremendous amount of blood or anything, but like that scene, the scene earlier we were talking about where they're cutting Chip up and tossing him out the window. Like you know, also different times. I mean, uh, but you know, a TV movie on CBS. No, I mean we we've been desensitized now because we have you know we have the FX and AMC and that shit that shows pretty brutal stuff. But CBS, I mean. You're not really seeing shit like that on CBS too much, you know? Yeah, you're definitely not. Like, this is this is the way to, like, make a movie horrifying, uh, you know, without uh, adding all the gore and stuff like that. And this was this was a perfect execution of it. So, but yeah, Jim has closure with Wayne and the whole situation now that the uh, Lawson, Vinny, North are all put back down and 
Uh, yeah, that's the that's the film. And and honestly, I have loved this film forever. And I just I just love the idea. I think the story's great. It's one of King, you know, a short story by King. Like it's it's cool to see the short stories. I mean, because you see the the shorter stories have gotten uh, adaptations now. And I'm glad that this one did, because this one's one of my favorites. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I would agree. I, I think we we've talked countless times about Stephen King on this uh, on this podcast. Uh, I think everyone who listens would would realize that. I mean, he has countless amount of stories. And as anybody knows who's a fan of the genre, so much of his work has been uh, adapted for film and television. Um, and this one is just, you know, there's so many there's so many great uh, pieces that he that you know he's uh, written or things that have been adapted from his stories and this is one of them I mean this is like you said earlier it's kind of it's a simple story but it's uh it's just done really well and it's fun you know what I mean like yeah, and this very, is a weird time fun. like 1991 you know like a stuff that was coming out but the way he kind of connected the past um to bring everything full circle the comedy in the story uh, the acting um, again, like it's like what we talked about with the, uh, with graveyard shift. It's like, uh, you know, there's sometimes this stuff just gets swept under the rug and people forget about it or they don't think about it because there's so many other like bangers uh, out there. And this is one of those ones I feel like where it's just uh, even, even me. I mean, I hadn't seen this movie in, in years at this point again and uh, watching it. I thought it was a lot of, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. And, uh, you know, Stephen King has a way to just transform you into his world almost. And this is another one of those stories where, you know, you're you're in this town and you're feeling what these people are feeling and see, you know what I mean? It's, it's just it's incredible stuff, I think. So, no, it really is. It's it's uh, it's very if, even the adaptation of it. And I know sometimes some adaptations don't feel Stephen Kingy, but this feels very Stephen Kingy still. And I think that's where the heart of it is. And I think Tom McLaughlin obviously did you know um friday 13th part six which is another movie that mixes in a lot of comedy for for the very first time in in that franchise i think he he did such a great job with this um i'm like still every time i watch it i'm pretty blown away about how good a tv movie can be like this this is just so much fun for sure i think like that's another thing like the tv movie back then especially or, or all you know even into the mid 90s or i don't even know how long but like the shape of of the world of like film is so different now with the streaming that you don't i mean i don't even know if they do like i mean i know sci-fi does original movies but is cbs doing like original movies anymore like it's really i feel like like and i know hbo does or whatever but i'm just saying like it's a thing of the past because of streaming i just think it's really cool like i think like 1991 i was six like a you know, if I was a little older, I thought about how cool it would have been to be able to like, you know, like, oh, like TV movie, like adapted, you know, seeing the trailer for this and like sitting down on like a Saturday night and watching it on CBS. You know what I mean? It's really cool. No, 100 percent. And this does have a Blu-ray release. Um, I think it may have a couple, a couple different random ones, but the most uh, official and definitely the best transfer I've seen is the olive films uh blu-ray of this and i think you can get it for like 20 bucks on amazon so check that out 
Uh, for sure. And for I'll, sure. I, I don't own it, but I will second it by saying if you're a fan of the genre, fan of film, buy physical media. I know people say, you know, I don't know. That's just my me personally. Like, I know you can watch this stuff everywhere, but me and you are huge advocates of 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 buying this stuff and supporting, you know what I mean? So I know this movie came out a long time ago, but still want to support the genre and, and everything. So, And, I, yeah, like, I mean, I'm just like you, like, uh, you know, most of our friends, you know, we want to physically own this because, you know, you can't, the whole thing is this is like, yeah, you can go watch this on Tubi right now and stuff. But like, what if the day comes where this isn't like streaming anywhere for some reason? And like, you don't have a copy and like, yeah, I'm sure you could find it on YouTube and watch it. But like, I like the comfort still to this day of having the physical copy and knowing that I own that copy and I can watch it anytime. For sure. I'm just, just supporting and wanting to own physical copies and stuff. And this sits, uh, amongst the Stephen King adaptations and this what a what a cool little run we're having here with the 90s Stephen King adaptations doing graveyard shift and now doing sometimes they come back fucking pumped we did this one and then next week we got fucking tea huts and the motherfucking dark half directed by George Romero yeah that one's gonna be a lot of fun just because obviously the connection with George and and Stevie, and we both love both of them so much. Yep. And Tim, Tim, Tim Hutton, we're going to talk about it, but he's another unsung king for sure. Oh, yeah. T Hutt's big, big king, uh, despite any allegations. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, this has been, uh, it's been a rocking good time. I can't fucking, oh, yeah, that was a great, a great line. It's time to rock, Jack. Oh, yeah. You might have to hit somebody with that, maybe. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to fucking... Next time you're at the grocery store. <laughs> Just some unassuming fucking doofy-looking fucking lacrosse player. <laughs> um, But, yeah, man, fucking what better time to be covering some Stephen King adaptations from the 90s in October, right? Yeah. It's great stuff, man. I'm really excited. This time of the year is so awesome. I know we watch this shit all the time, but great shit and uh, we got halloween uh, ends coming out this weekend and uh, halloween fast approaching so yeah i figure when we're uh live in person next end of next week we'll give our official reviews and everything and we'll record a little thing on halloween ends probably then right i would love that yeah for sure because we will have all seen it by then and uh, had some time to digest and give our opinions and rank it amongst those uh, 18 and kills and see where it ends up. Jesse would love to talk about his love for Jamie Lee Curtis and her love for the horror genre as well. So. Uh, hey, I listen, I let, I respect all of her work. She's an amazing talent. I got I, some other things about her are questionable. Even uh, Freaky Friday? Even Freaky Friday. Um, but yeah, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Hard Guy Media. Our host site is Anchor. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, wherever the shit, or a bunch of random ones. Uh, but links in the Instagram and Twitter bio. <clears throat> we got a link tree with all the little fancy links to figure out where the hell the podcast is streaming and yeah for any up-to-date news or any of our fun little posts you can go check out our instagram and our twitter at heart guide media 
And yeah, 90s Stephen King adaptation month rolls on with the dark half next week.